What's up, people? You're listening to A Quick Read, an advertising podcast that talks book smarts and street smarts with the people who have been there, done that. Today's guest is Day One Agency Managing Director, Jamie Falkowski. He helps us overcome the unseen forces that stand in the way of true inspiration as we discuss Creativity, Inc. by Ed Catmull and Amy Wallace. You know what to do. Tune in and turn up. What's up, my man, Jamie? How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Awesome. I'm ex- I'm excited to have you on the show today. And you picked a pretty pretty awesome book, Creativity Inc. Why did you choose that book? I'm trying to think. When I first found the book, I think I found it about a year after it came out. So it must have been 2015. And I was in an interesting stage of my career. I was kind of just joining up with day one. You know, really small agency at the time. It was like 18 people, grown quite a bit. But I was looking for and trying to find different inspiration points for, for how to run a team, how to build creative processes, how to think and hack and break everything that I've kind of learned before or been taught before. Um, and I just wasn't finding it with traditional advertising agency books, classic marketing books, and was looking at outside memoirs, different types of inspiration. And I'm a sucker for these reads you see at the airport. I think I probably saw it while boarding some flight, picked it up and powered through it in a quick amount of time. And it, I'm excited to talk about it because there was a lot of like really simple things that at the time felt kind of obvious and straightforward, but you just need to see someone write it out for you in a way where it was really digestible and applicable to what we were doing. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, the, the next question I have before we jump into those big mm. ideas from that book are, did you grow up one day and say, man, I really want to be a managing director of an ad agency? How, how's that no, work? Def- definitely not. There, I, don't, I don't think that thought ever crossed my mind. Um, you know, as we talk about the book, like, Ed's got a very clear point of view of what he wants. You know, he had this vision to always want to make animated films and wasn't an artist and was in tech and worked at Lucas and did all these things. I, it's the exact opposite for me. I don't know if I've ever known what I wanted to do or to be honest, what, what I'm doing now, I, I think is what I love about it is that I'm constantly kind of creating and reinventing stuff and trying to build new things. Yeah. But no, I went to school for, for graphic design. I thought I was going to work at magazines when I moved to New York. At the time, a lot of magazines were closing. It was a really interesting space and place. And, you know, I, I figured what I really loved doing was being around creative people and, and storytelling and kind of fell backwards into into what i'm doing now wow okay so you're you're you grew up in the in the design trade are you uh do you still ever put any pen to paper do you do you make stuff i try to i try to do it a little bit but what i found most (laughs) helpful from it is really being able to understand the people that are that are really good at it you know to have a little bit of that shared language to talk to our creatives and our art directors and designers and understand you know, what they're trying to do, but also just how good they are. Um, you know, I knew quickly that while I loved it, it probably wasn't the thing that was best suited for me to succeed. And, you know, realized I liked the idea of coming up with the thing we were doing more than the actual want to try to push the pixels around, make it look perfect. I was always trying to rush and try to figure out the big idea. And, you know, what is the story we're telling? That was the part of it that always got me most excited. 
Yeah. And that's all about creative process. So that brings us to, you know, sort of the first big idea, which is building a creative process is indeed a process. But remember, what's important is the output and the people. How is that idea playing out for you guys right now and in, in, in what you're trying to do in your in your work? Yeah, there's so many pieces of that that I think are are so important. Um, creativity is a lot of exploring what you don't know. You know, it's going out and finding all the disparate different things that are out in the world and, and trying to figure out how to connect them back to the challenge that you have at the table. But there isn't a clear cut way to do that, you know. And if if you do kind of keep doing it the same way over and over and over again, I think you're losing part of what made you excited to be doing creative work in the first place. You know, it, it was this want to like be creating what hadn't been done before to be, be discovering new and really different things. Um, you know, the, for me, I really like that we're constantly kind of reinventing and reestablishing our creative process. You know, we talk here about having to basically like shed our skin every six months because the world around us is changing so much. You know, we operate in sort of unknown different spaces for, for creativity. We aren't doing just TV. We aren't doing just digital or traditional. A lot of our partners are trying to think about how to show up in spaces they've never played before. And you have to keep building new ways to get there. Not only that, but spaces that never existed before, right? I mean, it seems like every week there's a new app, there's a new thing. Someone's trying something different. And, you know, like you said, the, the, the old media channels are ever so changing. So, um, you know, one of the things that the quotes that I thought was interesting was Ed Catmull says, we want people to feel like they can take steps to solve problems without asking permission. And I think in a, in a media culture that's ever changing, right? Like there's moments where your, you know, team might be faced with something. They're like, Oh, well, we didn't even know this existed and they don't have time to maybe run it up the flagpole. Would you agree with that statement? Are you guys, do you embrace that kind of a um, ask for forgiveness type of uh, approach or is that just not realistic in a large agency? I think you have to create space for it. You know, I, I would like to say that more often than not, that is the case. You know, you're able to try to give people the opportunity to take responsibility, I think, first and foremost, for what they're, they're trying to put out there. So if they have a, a different idea of how to do something or are coming across, I don't know, some, some other inspiration or they're seeing another competitive thing that's out there, I hope all that stuff's influencing their decision-making process. You know, what you don't want is somebody just does exactly what you ask them to do. You want them to think about why. And, and I think that's part of what you do. You have to do as a manager is try to provide as much context as possible. So why you're even asking for something in the first place. But at the end of the day, you really want them to be able to have ownership and a stake at what they're, they're trying to do. Um, it's, it's a really interesting challenge. I think it's even harder in the world that we're in right now, because it's really easy for asks and assignments and things to feel super transactional in a very digital, Hey, I'm only talking to you over the phone or in a Zoom call, conference call kind of way. But you have to be able to build that connection and be able to help people see the bigger picture of what it is they're trying to do. Mm. In helping the people see that bigger picture, you know, pointing back again to creative process, mm. whether it's in your current role or past roles you've had in the past, is there a one thing that you're like, look, at the end of the day, when it comes to creative process, anywhere I've ever worked, this thing here is huge. What would that be? What's, what's the one thing in the creative process that you just couldn't 
do without? Yeah, there's, there's probably a few different things. And everybody, every creative, I think, operates a little bit differently. Early in people's career, I really try to think about ways to give them an opportunity to to mess things up a little bit, to fail in a way that like has very low risk attached to it. You know, we are we're not a huge agency, but we have pretty big clients. And when you're operating with a big client and you're trying to manage that relationship with them, whoever owns that relationship is a little sometimes I would imagine pretty risk averse to saying, hey, I'm gonna give the most junior person on the team a chance to pitch a big idea or take a stab at something they've never done before. Uh, a few years ago, we created this basic summer program. And I honestly, I took a lot of inspiration from what Pixar does with their shorts films and giving, you know, up and coming directors, up and coming storytellers, writers, the ability to go out and try to craft stories and see what they could tell. We built this thing that we called summer creativity, where we would take really junior talent and give them an opportunity to try to concept, write, develop and pitch back their first idea over a week-long sprint, basically doing all the different parts of what it takes to kind of come up with an idea and get in front of a client, get real feedback, and just rip off the bandit. You're going to get exposed to all of it. You're going to have mentorship from people at the top. Let's see how it goes. Let's see what part of this you really like, especially when you're early on. You're just sort of still figuring out where you fit in in the larger creative agency scheme. Yeah, that's really cool. And and I think you just teed up sort of the big idea uh, number two, which is, give creatives a chance to learn by doing. And what you described there was sort of this space for, you know, maybe some of the, the, the people that are new to the game, you know, the green, green space there for, for young creatives. How does that play out for, for the establishment, right? You know, you've got your creative director who's been there for 20 years, 15 years, you know, other agencies out there listening and other creatives yeah. that are in a different time and place. How do you give those creatives or all creatives a chance to learn by doing? How does that show up in the in the work? Yeah, there's two ways. I think also what's been awesome about trying to build these programs for juniors is it, it forces someone who's been doing it for a long time to really think about how they do it. You know, trying to teach somebody in a very short amount of time, this is how I try to brainstorm. This is how I try to write up ideas. This is how I try to storytell or take a client through the beginning, middle, and end, the why it works, the sell, how I work with designers to shape what this thing's going to look like and feel like and get everybody excited to the point where they, they can't say no to an idea. Having to articulate that in and of itself is hard. You know, a lot of this, while there is plenty of school out there to learn about how to do advertising and marketing communications, because it is changing so much, you're learning a lot of it and adapting on the fly. And these have become really important moments for us to take a break, take a step back and look at how we're doing it and how we can pass that on and build, you know, more shared language uh, with everybody who works here. So, so that's kind of one part of it. And then for, for senior folks or people that have been kind of in their role for a long time, you know, you got to stay inspired and, and keep that curiosity and want to discover new things that got you into doing this job in the first place. Um, so it's encouraging people to be able to take a moment to get away from the day in and day out of the work and figure out how to find that creative inspiration. Um, you know, for me, it's, it's been about like getting out of the office, like, and I've, I've have taken some of this from the book too. Like, how can you encourage people to go out and do, you know, a creative field trip or to just dig into a space they've never been before because it's related to a project they're trying to tackle, or it's just a, a chance to learn 
craft uh, from something that they aren't exposed to in their daily life. Mm, that's good. Good build. The, um, there's a quote from the book, Ed says, don't wait for things to be perfect before you share them with others. Show early and show often. It'll be pretty when we get there, but it won't be pretty along the way. <laughs> and so one of the things I wanted to, to hear from your all's perspective and in your experience um, in any agency you've been at, when do you know, you know, if you're, if you're running the show, if you're sort of overseeing, you know, the big picture, when do you know when to share something? And can you share it too early? Can you share it too often? You know, because clients, right, you know, sometimes you've got some clients want to be, want to be in on the idea. They kind of want, you know, you want to get their buy-in early. Other clients, man, you better bring them something solid. So how have you been able to assess when do we share this, you know, an idea with the client? You know, how do we, you know, foster, you know, what could be a, a really great concept and a winning idea? And how do you know when, ah, oh, man, maybe this is just internal? I'd love to hear that. Yeah, there's, a, I love that about the book too. And, you know, Ed talks about every Pixar movie sucked at some point. And he's, you know, he talks about they're so bad in the beginning. And it's cool to read through these things because you, you've seen all of these movies, you know the references to what he's talking about, so you can imagine the different ways in which you know, Toy Story was super dark at one point or Up <laughs> was about a completely different world or whatever it was. But there's like a kernel of something there that's good. And there's you know, a thing that they had to sort of discover or dig out to kind of build into the actual story. You know, in this world, a lot of it, I think, is having a good relationship with the person that's on the other end and understanding what that client wants to see. You're right. Some clients want to be super involved early and want to have, uh, you know, the raw tissue session. Let's throw stuff against the wall. Let's work through it. Let's let us be part of that process. So we are not only bought in and it might be easier for them to sell it to their boss later, uh, but they also are invested in wherever you're trying to go. I've had other clients that, you know, to what you were talking about, it better be pretty much perfect uh, when you bring it forward. Because if there is even any question of what it could or might or should be, you might have already lost them. And I think you really have to understand who you're kind of working with and, and collaborating with to make sure that you're providing things that are going to help them stay excited and engaged in what you're what you're doing and, you know, ready to act. You know, I always think about trying to get people to you know, not be able to say no to an idea. And there's different ways in which that comes to life. If they're super invested in it, yeah, they, they probably say no a lot, but they're, they're saying yes to a lot of things too. And they're excited to explore them with you. When it's that sort of other client that really wants to see things really clear, know the types of questions they ask, know what they need to see to be able to buy off on something. Sometimes that's clarity on time and budget and how it's all, what, you know, KPIs, how it's going to work for them. You know, it's, it's really about reading who you're working with. And, you know, some of that you can do in a short relationship. But I think a lot of it comes from being able to work with people for long stretches and really understanding them. Yeah. Do you have any case studies or an idea or maybe some stories where you decided, man, this is good, but it's risky. And you're like, screw it. Let's roll the dice. Cause you just felt like the idea was great. Do you have any of those situations and did that pan out or was it a, was it a fail? Yeah. I tried to probably block out most of the failures. You know, I think you have to have, um, <laughs> you gotta have like the short term memory on some of this stuff because, you know, I think you realize as you keep going on and on throughout the career, like you're going to hear no to a lot of creative ideas and, 
a brain, whether, even if that's just in a brainstorm, I've, I couldn't tell you my bad ideas I've probably pitched, but you never know where that stuff is going to go. Um, for, for bigger ideas or stuff that's a little bit risky, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's, there's a ton the stuff that comes to mind. You know, we've been working with Chipotle for, you know, about four years. Um, we helped them with all of their social and they, they think of us as really a, a cultural marketing partner for them. You know, we do just about everything for them with the exception of TV. A lot of these campaigns are trying to figure out how to get them to show up in the right, right cultural moments. And we worked on a thing with them a couple of years ago during the NBA finals, uh, that was called Freeding. And I probably shouldn't even say what the, the sporting event was because we're figuring out a way to play in a space that, to be honest, was already really crowded. There were other QSR brands that were buying advertising or official partners to the league. We were trying to figure out how to show up and take as much of that conversation as possible. So created this sort of game that was played out on Twitter where it's a huge sort of second screen experience um, for you know the NBA. There's a huge you know, Twitter audience there and wanted to think about how we could join in in that real-time conversation. And we built this thing called Freeding, where basically every time an announcer said the word free, we would tweet out promotional codes to get free burritos. It seems like a really simple, straightforward idea, but it's absolutely insane mm-hmm. how many times the word free comes up over the course of the game. Everywhere from you know the beginning of the game, singing Land of the Free, to free throw, to he breaks free... <laughs> <laughs> and it was a, a really fun kind of simple idea, but it allowed us to really take a huge part of the conversation that was happening in the game. And, you know, I think uh, my favorite sort of headline or takeaway from that was, you know, the real NBA finals are happening on Twitter and it's between Chipotle and Taco Bell. And it was, it was just cool to see the organic wow. conversation that picked up around kind of a, a simple idea, but it was risky. You know, you never really knew what was going to happen or if uh, we get our wrist slapped or, or what. Yeah, and then anytime you deal in that social space, there's also like the factor of like you can't really control the audience. Like they may yeah. participate, they may not. Like they might, you know what I mean? Like culture is kind of a weird thing. Some things become you know huge, and other things are kind of like eh. And so you know, it's it's those are those things are are always looming out there. What would you guys say you learned from that project? What was the thing? You know, you know. There's the there's the um, sort of the the uh, the essential learnings that are kind of like yeah no brainers of course you know we learned that but was there anything in subtext or underneath where you were like wow you know that really taught us blank right you know when you talk about giving Definitely. creatives a chance to learn by doing what's the stuff that you learned by doing in in those type of more what you said uh, cultural type of approaches um, how did that make you guys different I mean it's a real experiment you don't know if it's going to work or not and. To be honest, like, while the brand has a, a large Twitter audience and following, it, it's it has been less of the space where I think a lot of our partners are, are as excited to play in. But we we saw a real niche audience there and a play to, place to lean in. I mean, what do we learn? It always works to give away free food. I think that's like a, a no brainer. <laughs> like the power of a free burrito or free guac. We've we've done a lot of cool experiments bringing that stuff to life, but. You know, more importantly, like you leaned into a community that already existed. You found a way to speak to a niche audience that created a halo. You know, same thing I think could be said for brands that are getting more into, say, the gaming space, right? Like it, it might feel like a really small audience or, or music or art or, or whatever it is, but it's almost like the more niche you go. And if you're able to insert yourself or to participate in that space in a way that's real and it's as if you understand them and you're listening, you can generate a lot of mutual respect out of that. And I think that audience can get excited that they're seen and that they're part of this. And then it just expands, you know, and it can become part of like a more 
you know, mainstream or, or mass culture awareness play. But, you know, it's, it's often hard to, to go out and make everybody happy. So how can you focus on a smaller group and, you know, build some real close connection and diehards there? Yeah, that's awesome. You know, talking about a small group or, or building, you know, in, in community in different places, you know, trying to keep up with the the social landscape and all these sort of things, you know, it's, it's maddening. I know, you know, myself, it's like, you know, I'm not an expert on, on everything that's out there. Um, but luckily there's people smarter than me. It, it brings us to the, the third idea, you know, in this book is be the dumbest person in the room, hire people that are smarter than you. <laughs> that's like my favorite. I, I love this because yeah. I, I couldn't agree with this. This is, this is me. Like I couldn't agree with this anymore. Like I can't design, I can't, you know, my background as a creative director is a filmmaker. And so, you know, I, I view things in the agency world, you know, sort of through that lens, you know, I'm not a copywriter, I'm not a designer. Um, my assumption is you've got some pretty talented people on your team as well. Um, how important is that idea to be open to hiring people smarter than you and really letting them sort of lead the way? Um, how's that panned out in your career? I mean, I think that's basically what my job has become now, you know, being really hands-on and creative early on and you know, as you get more senior, I think you're sort of editing and trying to help people steer them in the right direction of what a good idea is. And a lot of times just getting out of the way, you know, I, especially as I think about where I am today, I'm trying to hire and build a team that's, you know, prepared and ready to take on whatever happens next in culture and digital, social, wherever the space is. And you can't hire somebody who's been doing it for 30 years one way and then expect them to adjust, you know, you got to find and, you know, build up these people that are open to exploring. And a lot of times I'm hiring people that are a lot younger than I am. And to be quite honest, like a lot sharper and smarter than I was at that age. And, you know, I always think about, you know, I'd love to hire the person who one day wants to replace me. You know, I'm not, I try not to be scared of that. I want to make sure that they have a lot of drive and ambition and, you know, want to be, I think as hungry as I was, you know, at that age. There's a lot that Ed talks about in the book as extensive conversations around this. There's a couple of key things that really stood out to me that he says, um, you know, when he talks about ideas and if you were to ask agencies, like what the most important thing is like, oh, having this great creative vision, having this great, great creative idea, but you know, ideas, they come from people and you have to think about those people as being more important than the idea itself. And he has a great quote in there where he says, if you give a good idea to a mediocre team, they'll screw it up. And if you give a mediocre idea to a brilliant team, they'll either fix it or throw it away or they'll come up with something better. And that really stands mm-hmm. out to me. You can put three great people on a kind of crummy brief. And I think just because of the way they are, they're going to try to solve it and come back with something that I think they're excited about. And, you know, that excitement is contagious. Yeah. I think any of our listeners, you know, regardless of where they're at, you know, there's, you know, whether they're managing directors of an agency themselves, copywriter, freelancer, you know, clearly you look at your guys' portfolio and you you guys are doing good work. You've got good team members. Do you have any secret sauce to how you like to try to find those people with the right chemistry that are going to bring you the right idea? What are you guys doing? What are the things you're doing as a, as a group and as a creative director to, um, to find those people? I mean, talent is, it's a different game now, right? Like we've got people that are accepting jobs across continents because everyone's <laughs> working from home and what's it matter anyway? And, and it's all about the deliverables. So, 
Um, what's it looking like for you guys? It's, it's a different landscape out there. Yeah, it's as hard as it's ever been. If I'm being completely honest, it's harder to find people to compete. You have creativity expanding into so many different worlds and different opportunities. And, you know, it's totally different than it was even, you know, I think two years ago, what we have to look at is how are we able to, you know, sure tap our own networks and be able to bring in friends and connections and who we know. I think that's one way, but also we're trying to make sure that we're reflective of the audiences that we're trying to reach. So we need to have people that have really different points of view than, than just myself or just the people that have been here or helped build the agency at the beginning need to continue to bring in new people that, that maybe see the world differently. And that means finding and discovering talent in places that we might not have traditionally looked. So, you know, I work with a number of recruiter partners. We try to think about different ways to build, you know, an apprentice program where we're able to give, you know, up and coming talent, a sort of shoe in the door, a way in to discover what it's like to work in an agency where it's, it's somewhat low risk for us. And I, I think a really great opportunity for them to see and discover all the different parts of, of working in creativity. I also think now you have to give people a little bit more time um, to get onboarded. You know, you have to onboard in a way that's different than you could when we were all in an office together. And it does take a little bit longer and it takes a lot more focus from, you know, their leaders um, to make sure that they're getting set up the right way. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good build. Um, As far as, the, the current culture of, you know, again, everybody's, you know, the buzzword is the great resignation, of course, yeah. in the creative field, we, in, in the creative field, we've seen a huge, um, trend of, you know, these amazing talented people going freelance and just hiring, you know, the thing that they do, uh, a la carte to whoever they want, whether it be a writer or a designer. And, and these people are tremendously successful. They're probably working with, your agency in New York. These are these people are working with my agency here in you know Cincinnati and in Louisville. I mean, we're working with writers who also work with Wyden Kennedy and other people, and and we're competing in in new and interesting ways that maybe in the past we we weren't doing because those people were locked into a to a system, right? They were working for the Ogilvies and the BBDOs of the world. So from the point of view of a New York agency, you know, you guys are doing you know good work. People you know have heard your name before. Are you experiencing that as well? Are you seeing that a lot of people and really great talented people are just kind of like, hey, I'm, I, don't, I don't need the, the machine anymore. And what do you think that's going to look like five, 10 years from now? That's the million dollar question. I think everybody's feeling it. You know, so sure, we are. You're seeing it. Um, when we started, we, we sort of had sort of a, how do we build a great core team and have a great community around us? You know, we want to be able to be able to tap. And this was five, six years ago tap into creative directors, designers, writers, animators, production teams, because at the time it didn't make sense for us to have all the overhead to scale. So I think in some ways we were pretty early to it and kind of ready for it. As we've grown and as we've built more of that capability in-house and scaled our team, it's, you know, you do see it. You see a creative who decides, oh, you know, I just want to go freelance or I just want to kind of focus on my own projects. I'm I'm kind of okay with it. You know, I, I totally get that that's a lot of where the space is going. And for me, I think it's about maintaining the relationship and connection to them. Because, you know, long term, I want to be able to reach back out to that person or that team and hopefully be able to collaborate with them again or, you know, know that one of these days they might be able to send me something that's beyond what they're able to do. 
I think for us, having a really strong day one community has been, you know, huge. We've got creative teams all over the world and it's allowed us to work in in new and different ways. And you got to be open to change. You got to be open to adjusting to kind of where the world's going. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I love, I love that you, you talked about it as a community and, and not just your company, but the community of people and the networks and strategic partnerships all within that realm are a part of that community. And I think you hit on something really important there. I think that's going to be key, right? Because, you know, things move fast. Um, sometimes you need specialists, sometimes you need, you know, um, individuals, you need to be in different parts of the country. And, you know, it's just, you know, impossible to think that any one company can just have all the answers. So, you know, I love your, your attitude and approach around it. I think it's, um, you know, refreshing to, to know that, you know, you're embracing that. Um, speaking of, you know, where things are going, you know, what, what's your next thing? What's your next move? What are you excited about right now? What, what's the thing that the listeners need to know? Man, what are we excited about? Uh, TikTok is always great. No, I'm, I'm messing with you. I I, I do enjoy. <laughs> I probably spend way too much time there, and we're and we're doing a lot of really fun and I think interesting, interesting work there. But you know, that's been to be honest, actually, an interesting new space for us because it does require you to be so real time. It requires mm-hmm. an understanding of what's trending, what's kind of happening in the space, and then. A level of production is so different than going out and shooting a, a longer piece of content, you know, whether that's a classic 30 or it's like a four minute, you know, YouTube video. You're trying to think about how to capture people's attention in a short frame. We've we've started to institute uh, and are starting to borrow from a lot of what we're seeing in the entertainment space where we've created a, a TikTok writer's room where we actually have creatives gathering on a weekly level looking at what's kind of happening in the space, pitching and generating ideas, it, very quick turn. Um, and honestly, I'm really excited mm-hmm. about that because it's a totally different way for these classic agency creators to have to think. Uh, and we're starting to pair it up with people who have come from outside the agency space to bring in some of that outside thinking. You know, hired a, a new head of production who comes from from TV and you know led some work at Funny or Die. And I think having those schools of thoughts complement what we understand about brand storytelling and connecting what a brand's trying to say with what an audience wants and doing it in these new spaces is, is mm. pretty cool. Yeah, that's cool. And I think, you know, in those spaces and, you know, channels like TikTok requires such an awareness, such a cultural awareness for a brand specifically to win, right? Because if you don't show up right, man, you will get crushed and people yeah, will just can't. say, you know, you're, you're, you're trying too hard. You're trying to force your way in, you know, I mean, you guys work with some large brands, Nike, American Express, H and M, you know, I would imagine I, you know, I, I was on TikTok for a little bit and I, like you, I got off because I, you know, a, I understood it, you know, from a agency world, but then I was like, man, this thing is, this thing will, will destroy your mind. Like it will take <laughs> like two, two hours will go by and you're just sitting there watching the most, you know, amazing dance videos, you know, whatever the break dancers. And you're like, I've been watching break dancers for two hours. Um, so I kind of took a pause on, on it, but you know, for somebody like I would assume a traditional firm, like maybe, I don't know, travelers insurance doesn't just show up on TikTok. Like there has to be some real cultural significance and awareness. So do you guys have a team of like cultural curators that are 
looking at these things and then looking at your brand portfolio or potential prospects and saying, okay, we love what's coming out of the writer's room, but that's not going to work for any of these brands. Like, so who's curating that side of it? Cause I think that's maybe more important or as important as the content itself. Yeah. I mean, the, the folks that are on that team are doing both, you know, they have to be in it to be able to create against it. Um, and yeah, well, well, it can be an insane time suck. I totally get it. Like you could spend a lot of time there just endlessly scrolling. I'm fascinated by it. I think it's where you're seeing such rich creative happening and sure there's dance, but there's mm-hmm. also short videos and tutorials and, you know, all these different niche audiences and groups that are building like really tight communities and it's about entertaining and so different than any social platform I think we've seen kind of come before. It's, it's really fun to watch it and we're seeing those things kind of pop up in other places too, like Instagram's pushing reels and YouTube's got shorts. So I think what they're starting to do to inspire also how the type of content we consume and and how we inter- interact with it and engage with it, you know, it'll probably have a pretty long-term effect. But yeah, you got to be in it and you have to be pulling that stuff. So we've we've got a bunch of people, whether they're they're writers and creatives or not, um, kind of in the channels, pulling stuff, sharing it with us all the time. And for me, you know, I'm I'm a little bit older. I'm probably not the the target that TikTok is expecting. So I have to rely on you know that next generation to be curious and also surfacing stuff, bringing it to the to the forefront, so we can think about ways to to leverage it and not have our brand show up in a way where they come off as a tryhard, where they're just posting there because they feel like they should, and there isn't really an intent on what they're trying to achieve in the space. Mm. Yeah, no, that's cool, man. I know it's something that, you know, our, you know, our listeners are, they're all trying to combat, you know, how, you know, what is TikTok? How do we show up there? And that's just one of, you know, several things that are out there. I mean, there's all sorts of communities. Clubhouse had its big moment and people are, you know, what's that going to look like? How do brands show up on Clubhouse? What does that, what does that mean? What kind of conversations are we hosting? So, you know, I think these are all conversations that are happening. Um, you know, the byline of this book that we've been talking about today as we've, mm-hmm. you know, you know, gotten to hear about your journey is this idea of, um, you know, overcome the unseen forces that stand in the way of true inspiration. Do you have any gut feelings on maybe what the, what the next unseen force is? You know, we talked about we're in the midst of, you know, the great, uh, the, the, the great challenge with, with talent, et cetera. What, do you think... Are you guys feeling something that we need to know about when it comes to what's pushing against us creatively? Or is there something that maybe we don't talk about enough that you think we should talk about as an unseen force that holds us back? Sorry for the the silence. I'm trying to rack my brain on it. There's probably so many things that are unseen. We're we're living in a time where it's almost impossible to predict the future right now. And we're we're trying to do it. We're trying to figure out how to have everyone that we work with and show up in the right way and to build teams that are, you know, set up and can take on kind of whatever, whatever comes next. You know, there's another part of what, what Ed talks about, and I think it's sort of relevant to this talks about, you need to be able to hold lightly to goals and firmly to intentions. And what I, what I love about that idea is yes, you can set some goals and you can have some things that you really want to achieve. But what you really need to be thinking about is the why and the feeling that you want to get out of what you're producing. For us, we talk about trying to, you know, move the world by stopping at scroll with stories that earn 
you know, so really earning it, thinking about how we're going to show up in a way that gets people to authentically care about something, want to talk about it, want to share it. And using story as the, as the glue that helps us to build relevancy for what a brand's trying to say and to reach an audience, like having the intention to tell great stories is the end all be all. And you, you have to worry a little bit less about the where and the how and make sure that you're always going back to what it is you're trying to say and thinking about the, the beauty of what that story is and then figuring out how to, how to do it the, the way that's relevant today, you know? I'm sure you've seen it yeah. over your career, like the spaces change, but what doesn't change is wanting to like tell a cool story and get people to care about something. Yeah, man. Well, and if you talk about care about something. I think, you know, this has been a great chat and I think people are going to care about what you've said. I think people are going to stop the scroll and listen. This has been a really fun conversation. Um, how can people that want, they like what you're doing, they're interested. Maybe they're these young people that are like, Oh, I love what he said about, you know, programs they have for people coming into the game, people that want to, um, get in touch with you guys or want to work with you or want to collaborate with you. What's the best way for that to happen? You know, you guys want to build this culture of creativity. There's a lot of creatives out there, maybe listening right now saying, count me in. Uh, what's the best way for, for people to get in touch with you or maybe, Maybe just reach out to you personally and, and hear more of your story. What's what's your avenue? Yeah, well they can they can definitely reach out and visit, you know, our website or find us on social. It's you know, letter D number one, letter A dot com. So D one A dot com. And my email is just Jamie at D one A. I you know, J A M I E. I'm more than happy to take, you know, anybody who's listening to this and wants to talk about, you know, how to get involved or what the potential opportunities look like. Um, I talk to a lot of people. I think that is part of what takes up the bulk of my day these days is, you know, trying to see what inspires the next generation of creatives and hoping that we can build a space for them um, that allows us to, you know, be successful as a creative services company, but really keeps us moving forward to whatever comes next. Man, I appreciate that, man. I, I think so do the listeners. And, um, you know, it's just always great to hear from different points of view, different places in the country, different agencies and, it's been it's been a great chat, man. So thanks so much for coming on the show, and um, you're always welcome to come back. So uh, open invitation uh, for all my guests. And um, other than that, man, any any final words, any final thoughts you got for the people? Yeah, what should I, what should I read next? What's been your favorite book you've talked about that it might oh, not be geez. on my reading list? Oh I man, you're the, the first one you. who's I don't know ever <laughs> thrown a question at me. Nice move. I like that. Well, I'm going to give you a weird book. Uh, okay. So I like, I like to read a lot of things. Uh, here's a shocker for the listeners out there. I don't just read about marketing. <laughs> um, I don't just read about creativity. I read about a lot of things. And I have a mentor um, named Warren Church. He's a brilliant behavioral strategist. And he's always challenging me, what's the book you haven't read? What's, what are the books on your shelf that you haven't read? You know, he kind of you know, ask some of those things. So a couple recommendations I would give would be, um, I just finished a book about um, the history of soccer formations. And mm. so uh, the book is called The Inverted Pyramid, The History of Soccer Formations. And it's fascinating to understand how um, the formations of soccer, you know, if you're if you've ever followed soccer, you've got you know four three three five three two one those sort of things. All of those strategies are shaped by like 
culture and political movements and um, all sorts of things. So like the Russians were were integral to introducing the counterattack and Brazil and Argentina were all about expression of, you know, ball handling, almost like an art form or a dance. And then you have, you know, the Germans and uh, other people, you know, socialists and communists that are, were all about, you know, the individual doesn't matter. It's just the group. And so they would form, you know, soccer strategies that were all about structure and and it's fascinating and entertaining. So if you want to jump into something that's like strategy, but not necessarily marketing or advertising, but makes you think about strategy, that's a really good book. And then my other recommendation was I just finished a book by Chuck Klosterman hmm. called But What If We're Wrong? And if you like philosophy and if you like thinking about the fact that we might be currently living in a simulation, this is the kind of book you want to pick up and it'll start to get you thinking in new and different ways. So I think that's, those are the, those are my recommendations. Those are two. And, um, you know, always looking out for something that's going to sort of stir my thinking beyond, um, you know, the stuff we all know. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you for that. I'm excited yeah. just hearing about those. So hopefully we can all start traveling at some point again. I can pick up another one of these books at the airport and dig in. Yeah, man. No, it's, it's awesome. And I, again, I appreciate you for being on the show. If you are listening and you have been listening to a quick read and you enjoy what you're listening to, then uh, head on over to Spotify or iTunes, subscribe to the show, share it with a friend, maybe send it to your mom. I'm sure she would like to listen to <laughs> us talk about creativity, um, but do that. And we really appreciate it. And, and as always, uh, we try to come uh, to you with new shows every other Tuesday. And um, now that we've got some more in the can, we're going to be bringing those, um, you know, to the people. So uh, we'll see you in two. Cheers. Hey, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, head over to iTunes or Spotify and give us a great rating and review. A Quick Read is a Leap Group podcast.